0: Coming up on Nurse Talk, is the Ebola crisis in the U.S. over?
1: And can you laugh your way through menopause? All All this this and and more more on Nurse Nurse Talk. Talk. Welcome to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my lovely co host Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today.
0: How did I get here? <laughs> so, Casey, we're talking about menopause today, huh? Because if that's the case, I don't know. I'm either overqualified or underqualified. I'm not sure which.
1: Well, the Shane, the bad news is I am more than qualified. You know, it wasn't very long ago when the word or reference to menopause was in the closet along with the women who were going through it. And as a woman of a certain age, I, for one, am glad we're talking about it and even better able to to laugh about the horrible symptoms that accompany this rite of passage.
0: Well, Casey, it seems like we all have something. For us men, there's male pattern baldness. Not and enough. There is such a thing <laughs> as male menopause, apparently. The symptoms are not as radical as female menopause and include decrease in sex drive and energy and signing up for cooking classes. So we got something too.
1: It's just not enough. Here with us to talk about how to laugh your way through menopause and beyond is Ellen Goldberg. Ellen has a new book called what the hell happened to me? The truth about menopause and beyond. We'll talk with Ellen later in the show.
0: And Casey, although Ebola has all but disappeared from the headlines, there's still much to do to eradicate the deadly virus in West Africa. Earlier this week, National Nurses United RN Response Network announced a $40,000 donation that will go to the International Medical Corps emergency response teams who are still out on the front lines working to combat the virus. We'll talk with RN Deanne McEwen about the progress that's being made there.
1: Thanks, Shane. And before we do anything else, I must jump on the bandwagon for just a few minutes and see if you can help me figure this out. Okay, first, you have to listen to this short little clip. All right.
2: It must change. Things must change. Our our, Our government, look at it. It isn't too big to fail. It's too big to succeed. It's too big to succeed so we can afford no retreads or will change with the same people and same policies that got us into the status quo, another Latin word, status quo, and it stands for, man, the middle class, everyday Americans are really getting taken for a ride. That's status quo. And GOP leaders, by the way, uh, you know, the man can only ride you. When your back oh, is bent, mm. so strengthen it. <laughs> then the man can't ride you. American won't be taken for a ride because so this much is, is so at stake, painful. and we can't it afford is. politicians it playing games like nothing more is at stake than.
1: Omg, it's bad. It's so bad, and it was so, supposedly she didn't have a teleprompter. Right, but that doesn't change the fact that the woman can't form a sentence with a verb and a noun. S-
0: <laughs> so it's a nameless presidential contender, but I'll tell you that uh, the thing that's too big to succeed are her boobs. (laughs) Well, it definitely isn't her brain. (laughs) Yeah, but I like hearing her talk about how the man can't ride you. I'll take that challenge.
1: (laughs) Well, you couldn't ride me because my back is so strong. (laughs) It's not bowed.
0: Just like the middle class, right? That's
1: right. So it's going to be very interesting to watch the 2016 presidential race unfold. But, hey, we have more important things to talk about, such as nurse talk news and views. Take it away, Shane.
0: All right, so first off, we have a glimpse into the future. Trachea restoration. So 3D printers may make new organs possible. Researchers recently gave clinicians a glimpse of the future, showing us that a new trachea could be created by the use of 3D printing techniques. The combination of 3D printing and tissue engineering allows for the production of complex organs and tissues, said Todd Goldstein, a PhD candidate at the Feinstein Institute of Medical Research at Hofstra. Our proof-of-concept study shows that 3D printing and tissue engineering can be used to produce a biological tracheal replacement.
1: That's incredible, Shane.
0: I just don't know, why did they pick the trachea?
1: Why did they pick the trachea? Except the rings must be easier to make, but this really is the future, and I love it, because if we can make a pancreas... Think about the people who could be helped who have diabetes.
0: Sure. Goldstein really said that uh, he said that 3D printing can be set up to create almost anything one can imagine. His idea is to use the technology to produce the support scaffold of the engineered earway. And I guess the trachea is not that complex, huh? It's just structural. So maybe that's why they're well, starting out yeah, with this.
1: Yeah, probably easier there because it doesn't secrete anything or yeah. do any of those things. So yeah, better to start there. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you're, you're for it, I take it.
0: I don't care anymore. This <laughs> this stuff's insane.
1: Next up, shooting at LA Area Clinic. Nurse Wounded, Patient in Custody. Oh my. A man was arrested Monday on suspicion of shooting a nurse inside a mental health urgent care facility in a suburb of LA, officials said. Vincent Hurd, 20, is suspected of shooting a nurse during a medical evaluation at a recovery integrated clinic. Near and dear to your heart, isn't it, Shane?
0: Yeah, it sounds like the sort of place that I work at, um, and this is scary for me. We have people come in all the time. We don't search him. If the cops bring them in, we ask them to do a quick pat down, but we don't search him. We've, I've had people come in with knives, I mean, all kinds of needles, guns everything you can imagine this is scary
1: and I just have to repeat once again that nurses are on par with police officers and prison guards for the number of assaults they encounter in that career and that's not just psych nursing and ER nursing so very interesting I don't know what we do about this but interesting next up Jane
0: Bay Area Rapid Transit to ban e-cigarettes. Bay Area Rapid Transit is set to ban the use of electronic cigarettes on its trains and stations. The BART board is scheduled a February 12th final vote on the ban after giving unanimous initial approval last week.
1: You know, I don't ride BART, but if I did, I would say, I don't think the e-cigarettes cause much of a sm- smell, and I don't think that there's much in the way of nicotine that's getting out into the air.
0: You know, I just read a report that apparently they release about 10 carcinogens and which is way less than cigarettes, but I they see. are now saying, yep, there is a, there is some sort of risk. We're not sure exactly what. So maybe that's the thinking. I, I think, dude, they're probably trying to keep people from smoking herb on. I think Bart. they're trying
1: to keep people from smoking herb. And from what I've seen on BART trains, I think more herbage needs to dude, be that's smoked. That's the only on way you can get to calm on people that down. Thing, man. You know, you need to be calm and relaxed. <laughs> cigarettes kind of hype you up. Uh, the marijuana cigarettes, hey, they calm you down. I'm for it.
0: So for real information about these topics and others, visit MedPageToday.com and that does it for Nurse Talk news and views.
1: Coming up, it's not over. Nurses are still supporting efforts in West Africa to eradicate the Ebola virus. We'll talk with RN Deanne McEwen. You're listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter really is the best medicine.
3: Need to get some rest. This is the worst headache ever. Hmm. Right arms all
0: tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on it last night.
3: I keep losing my balance. These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Signs like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes
4: out of nowhere.
3: If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait, call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own.
0: Time lost is brain lost.
3: Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org, brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council.
4: Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes
0: your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at
4: StopTechStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. There's hundreds of fun and simple things you and your family can do to live a healthier lifestyle. Here's 20 of them. Eat less. Eat slower. Eat smarter. Eat your fruits and veggies. Stop eating before you're full. Up your fiber. Lower your calories. Get off the bus early. Do some gardening. Do jumping jacks. Take the stairs. Take one, not two. Take on a new sport. Take a long walk home. Walk instead of drive. Bend. Stretch. Reach for the stars. Climb the monkey bars. Skip the fudge bars. (sighs) Search We Can online to find more ways you and your family can get healthy together. A message from the Ad Council, HHS, and NIH's We Can program. Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine.
1: Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my co-host Shane Mason. We are two of the thousands of nurses on duty this very hour.
0: Casey, for months now, we've been covering National Nurses United and Registered Nurse Response Network's groundbreaking work to set standards for U.S. hospitals to protect nurses, patients, and healthcare workers against the spread of infectious diseases such as Ebola. And last November, after the nurses set in motion a petition to urge President Obama and state lawmakers to pass mandatory safety guidelines in hospitals, with the help of nurses and Governor Jerry Brown, California became the first state to adopt such guidelines.
1: Fast forward to this week, and the nurses are still active on the front lines of the Ebola crisis, and last week announced the donation of $40,000 to the disaster relief organization International Medical Corps, which is on the front lines of the Ebola response for its continued efforts to eradicate the deadly virus in West Africa. And Shane, a note from our producer says just this week, a patient is being treated for possible Ebola symptoms in Sacramento County at UC Davis Hospital.
0: It's not easy to keep news about Ebola in West Africa in the news these days, but as of January 20th, nearly 22,000 cases of Ebola have been reported with nearly 8,700 deaths, mostly in Liberia, Sierra Leone, and Guinea.
1: Here with us today is RN Deanne McEwen nursing practice health and safety specialist for National Nurses United. Welcome back to Nurse Talk, and thank you for being with us today.
5: Thank you, Casey and Shane, for the important work you do and for inviting us back. This is an important topic and very timely.
0: Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. So we want to hear about the Registered Nurses Response Network, but we also want to hear about this uh, new case of Ebola in Sacramento. What do you know about that?
5: Well, um, Actually, we were in Sacramento yesterday and uh, the California Department of Public Health uh, released uh, statements confirming that both patients that were being treated in Sacramento, one at the UC Davis um, Designated Ebola Treatment Center and at the Kaiser South Sacramento Designated Ebola Treatment Center, both did test negative. So that's really good news, but what's more important is, is that the nurses were prepared and protected, and uh, the hospitals did follow, uh, and they're quoted on record as saying that in the press, the uh, really stringent, highest standard in the nation, CalUSHA guidelines that were developed under Governor Brown's leadership uh, in CalUSHA.
1: Which is fantastic that Governor Brown is such a wonderful supporter of National Nurses United. What led them to believe that these patients had Ebola? Or possibly had
5: a- Well, from what I understand, there was a travel history, and then the patients uh, both came in symptomatic. Mm. Um, as you may have read, the patient that was ultimately transferred to UC Davis Medical Center arrived in the emergency room with these symptoms um, and a travel history confirming that he had been to an area of West Africa unannounced. So he was not being monitored for some reason, and uh, they immediately called an, uh, the Department of Health, and arranged for the transfer to the uh, UC Davis Medical Center.
0: So it sounds like the guidelines were followed, which is good, uh, and it was probably scary for everyone, but it sounds like the nurses were well Uh, prepared. Uh, And we'd like to hear more about the Registered Nurses Response Network. When was that started and, and why was it started?
5: Well, the Registered Nurse Response Network itself has a long history dating back to a tsunami in Sri Lanka. And since that time, we've responded to disasters here in New Orleans, Louisiana, Hurricane Katrina, and flooding, earthquake, and tsunamis from Haiti to the Philippines most recently. And so we've been able to cut through red tape, get hands on direct nursing care to patients in need. When we looked at the situation where we saw that reporters and photographers could get into the scene of disaster to photograph human misery, and we knew that they needed hands-on nursing care that we could provide, we saw a problem and and we found a way to overcome it.
1: Which is what I love about National Nurses United, that that, uh, this organization is beyond the scope of California, beyond the scope of the United States, but looking out to all parts of the globe, which is fantastic. So Deanne, we mentioned earlier that the RN, RN, National Nurses United Network, donated $40,000 to the disaster relief organization, Medical Corps, why this organization?
5: International Medical Corps, the IMC, has a a history of providing effective and culturally competent care to the stricken patients and communities in West Africa. And so what we saw was actually a problem with the global response in getting the necessary medicines, equipment, and supplies through that area. And so what they told us that they needed most, nurses wanted to help, is the actual personal protective equipment. And so we donated money so they could acquire the suits, hazmat suits, if you will, and masks, gloves, uh, that they needed because protected healthcare workers, best can protect and serve patients. As you know, this has been called the nurse killer disease in Liberia.
0: Right, and so were those donations from individuals and nurses, or where did this money actually come from?
5: Yes, we actually put out a call for help. We knew we didn't have the experience to actually go in and treat those Ebola patients on the ground, and so we wanted to help and do what we could, and so we did an assessment. Uh, We found an international relief agency whose values and vision was consistent with our own to meet people where their need was, and they were experienced and on the ground there. So again, uh, it's been highlighted in the news, global supply chain problem getting uh, this equipment into the area, they had access but needed the support. So nurses, members of the public, people that were interested just wanted to help and know that that help would be delivered where needed. It would be effective. And we got good value, you know, consistent with our values of caring, compassion, and, and community.
1: Which is a wonderful mission. Um, A little bit about the suits, Deanne. In West Africa, do they wear these one time? Do they recycle? How how does that work? Well, there has
5: been publicized reports of Medicine Sans Frontier actually came up with their own suits because of the unique working conditions uh, that they found in West Africa. And then other organizations, as they've moved to specialty hospitals, when they can get them, use single-use disposable supplies because that's been shown to help contain and prevent the spread of infection. Again, right now it's a mixed bag from what we can see, but uh, the International Medical Corps has maintained the highest standards and uh, really seems to have been able to gain a foothold. And we're seeing some of the cases now decline as good standard epidemiologic methods and and public health methods of containment control, case identification, and treatment have been applied to this area.
1: Yeah, I was a little bit surprised to see out of the 22,000 cases that were diagnosed, 8,700 uh, have died. So that's a fairly good. Is, is that due to better protection and better medicines? And- the
5: problem with the death rate is this, that we know that this virus has mutated since it first started causing these illnesses. As you know, this area of Africa has had other outbreaks of Ebola which were effectively contained with a lower death rate. But this particular strain, I just read a, a study. Uh, that was sent to us that actually showed that only in this study of 106 patients confirmed Ebola virus disease, only one patient had the bleeding that was been commonly associated with this disease in the past. Most had the clinical presentation of headache, fever, weakness, dizziness, diarrhea, abdominal pain, and vomiting. So like a lot of other tropical diseases and even the influenza in this country, they share common symptoms. So the mode of transmission Mission is not exactly clear according to several prominent virologists who have researched this disease. It has been identified as probable bloodborne pathogen, but we simply don't have enough evidence to rule out that it could also be airborne aerosol transmissible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially in close quarters.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say we you know, the combination of we don't know how it's being transmitted and mutation is is really scary, so it's good that that folks are on top of this and studying this. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about the work that's left to do in this region and what is the prognosis for eradication?
5: We're pushing for higher standards, and there's been a, a global response and uh, global health agencies that are meeting, looking at where the failures have been. And then, you know, this is tertiary prevention now. We've identified a problem. We did the best that we could under the circumstances. But then, in terms of the precautionary principle, we can't let our guard down with a deadly disease for which there is no known vaccine available to help prevent it at this point. And so uh, I wanted to make the point that of the physicians and the nurses that have come down with this disease who are experienced at treating it in past outbreaks, there's not been an identified break or breach in their protocols. They don't know how it came to be that they were personally infected with this disease. So, again our standards here in California the highest level available we want to make that available to any nurse or any caregiver who's caring for these patients around the world and of course if you look at for profit healthcare systems uh, when there's a healthcare system breakdown people are going to look at the cost but we look at the value of human life here, and, and for a little bit more money to prevent such devastation, it's worth it to us. So that's why our standards, uh, the November 14th guidance issued by Cal OSHA, is important. These have gained world attention. In line with the precautionary principle, if there are so many unknowns, as Shane said, you know we need the highest standard of protection for everybody.
1: That's so true. How can people help? How can pe- uh, where can people find out more about the work you're doing and what can they do to help? You know,
5: we do maintain a website, www.nationalnursesunited, and there's a search engine there and you can click on Registered Nurse Response Network, RNRN, or Ebola. And you can link to our standards uh, that we fought for and under the progressive administration of Governor Brown and his leadership and Cal OSHA and the scientists working with us there. We've got these high standards. We want to protect them and expand them and make them available to everyone around the world.
0: Great, Deanne. We've got about 30 seconds left. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
5: I would like to thank you for the great work you do for having us available. It's important that nurses know that these standards are out there where they can access them and uh, join the fight to help prevent the spread of disease and, and prevent harm. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. First, for your years of service as a nurse, Deanne, but second, for the good fight that you're doing in National Nurses United. I am so proud to be a part of this whole process because you're really serving humanity, not just uh, people here and there, but all of us.
5: And we're proud of the work you do. do. It's It's a great association that we have. Thank you both so much.
1: Thank you. Coming up, what the hell happened to me? The truth about menopause and beyond. Writer and humorist Ellen Goldberg shares humor from her new book.
3: I'm working two jobs, and my husband works, too. My kids go to school with your kids. I sit next to you at PTA meetings. We live right next door. We've been neighbors for years. You know my family and me pretty well, but here's one thing you don't know. I'm one out of every six Americans, and my family is struggling with hunger. Like you, we believe in this country. What's hard to believe is in the land of milk and honey, how many hardworking Americans have to choose between paying bills and feeding their families. This is a problem with a solution. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're feeding America.
4: Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 7,000 high school students drop out every school day. If you stack their desks one atop the other, it's a pile more than 17,000 feet high. That's 12 Empire State Buildings. But what's truly scary is that another stack is going up tomorrow. We can keep students in school. Visit boostup.org and take the first step. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council.
2: An angiogram does not let you know what they're gonna do. An angiogram is where they go through your groin to your heart. And who knew that the way to a man's heart was through his groin? And many women are going, we've known that forever. Yes. You grab a man's balls, his heart will
4: follow. Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine.
1: We are nurses. We cannot diagnose, prescribe,
0: or treat. But can we give advice, Shane? Yeah, don't put things up your nose. Yeah, something like that.
1: Staying awake, staying awake. Staying Welcome back to ah, Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, ah, ah, along with Shane Mason, who is disgusted by all this talk of menopause. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we're two of the thousands of nurses on duty today, and that was a clip from the hilarious Menopause the Musical, written by our friend Jeannie Linders.
1: And Shane, since Linder's Menopause the Musical opened in 2004, it has been seen by millions of women around the world and seven brave (laughs) men. (laughs) And obviously, you're not one of them. It changed the way we're able to discuss and laugh about the symptoms of menopause. And writer and humorist Ellen Goldberg is one of those women who jumped in to share a little laughter and sisterhood with her new book, What the Hell Happened to Me? The Truth About Menopause and Beyond.
0: Yeah, anything to help empower women to feel like crap. <laughs> Ellen, welcome to Nurse Talk, and thank you thank so much you. for being with us. First, let me ask, what part has and does humor play in your life?
6: Oh, a very big one. And the older I get, the more important it is. <laughs> because <laughs> every time you look in the mirror, you find something new is happening to you as you age. And if you don't laugh about it, you would sit and cry. That's so, for
1: sure. Uh, so- our
6: friend, we, uh, I think when you find... Somebody else that's sharing the same thing you are and you can sit and laugh about it, it's a very big help.
1: Ellen, your book is so full of funny observations about the symptoms of menopause and aging. Tell us a little bit about your journey of menopause. When did you notice the symptoms and how long? And were you in denial for a period of time? Oh, definitely.
6: <laughs> well, I think around 40, I looked in the mirror and I I just kind of looked green or something. And I thought, <laughs> what happened? It's like I lost color, I lost, my hair was frizzy. And I, just, I just kind of looked older and didn't feel great. I started with hot flashes. I wasn't sleeping. And I formed a menopause group because I'd been walking with a friend and I said, you know, my, I wake up in the night, I have like aching legs. And she said, you know, so do I. And I said, really? And then, and at that time, there was no Google. So you couldn't like look up and see if your symptoms were things that everyone else had. Mm-hmm. So we had about 15 or 20 women and we would meet once a month and just laugh and talk about what was
1: happening to us. Excellent. And you started, you say, in your 40s? In my 40s, yes. Yeah.
6: Well, you know, little things. Just just kind of I just felt like my everything was changing a little bit.
1: Well, I, ha- I have to tell you, um, a dear friend of mine had been to the doctors and came called me at work and said, I- I've got to talk to you. I've got to talk to you. She was crying. I'm very upset. So I go out and I get in the car and she says, <laughs> crying hysterically, the doctor said, the doctor said no more eggs no more eggs and I said oh my god so uh, your cholesterol is what that's ridiculous I you know uh, many people produce cholesterol and I can't believe you're so upset because you're high cholesterol she's like no 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 more eggs no more eggs and I'm like oh oh those eggs and I said but you didn't even want to have a baby I don't want to be old uh, (laughs) so it is a rite of
6: passage they the the hot flashes lasted a long time. Oh, I still and have them. I, at I was 58. with a friend and we we were both in. Our, we, I think we were both fifty and we went to a we had we were having like a great dinner with our husbands and we were downtown in New York and we went to a very cool like a kind of a teen store and we're trying on jeans and we thought <laughs> oh these fit I can't believe it we look great and then we went to the cash register to pay and she had a hot flash where she formed a puddle on the floor. It lasted a full 10 minutes, and they were ready to call the, the ambulance because no one could understand what was happening to her, and it was her one and only hot flash.
3: Oh, wow. so, wow. sounds like a doozy, her, though.
1: And what's but hysterical about so, that is because she was her jeans were just too tight. It produced a huge hot flash, a huge one. It was, it was, it was, That's what happens that when I you wear your daughter's, <laughs> daughter's jeans. I
6: had them until I guess I still get them occasionally.
1: So. I still do too, not yes. with the regularity, but but they're kind of nasty.
0: You know, Ellen. Yeah.
4: A,
6: yes, yes, I can't wear turtlenecks anymore. You know, yeah. and and <laughs> even if I do wear them now, the jowls are starting, so they kind of come on either side of the turtleneck, yes. so it's yes. not a good look.
1: Not a not a pretty picture. No, no. <laughs> and then nope. you also get those nun feet, you know, where your shoes, where your feet are a little puffy and they puff outside of your shoe. Those are nun feet. Those nuns? always look <laughs> like <laughs> nun feet to me. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that hasn't happened yet, but I do notice I can't wear the high heels I used to wear because. Nothing. My feet just don't stretch up that high
0: anymore. So, You know, Ellen, surprisingly, this topic is kind of right up my alley because I'm a psychiatric nurse. No, I'm just kidding. Well, we definitely need
6: that. Yeah. I don't
0: want to make too much light of menopause or the serious of it. uh, But we discuss on Nurse Talk a lot that laughter is a critical component of healing and dealing with depression and anxiety. So I, I still think we can call this a therapeutic discussion. Yeah.
1: Okay. Absolutely. And yeah. for those people out there, you know, because we do make light of this and making jokes, but for some women, this hormonal change up produces, can produce depression. Uh, depression oh, that's not alleviated by uh, laughter or walking no, or talking. No, no, no. So, if that's occurring for you and it's relatively common, you really should see your doctor because this is up your alley, Shane, and get on an SSRI because that really helps with symptoms related to menopause. It, it does sometimes feel like you're losing your mind. Is that correct, Ellen?
6: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because there were many and, times. And that
1: in your memory. So yes. if, if it
6: comes together, you could forget that you're losing your mind, which would be a little bit better. Yeah, which, but, um, which
1: is interesting. Now, I have to say, as somebody who used to play racquetball, when I was uh, that time of the month, you, it changes the shape of your eye, and so your and high, and <laughs> hand-eye coordination is thrown off. I'm telling you this. And then when I went in menopause with those hormones, it does kind of switch up everything for you. It's right. it's kind of right. uh, interesting how that happens. Didn't you find yourself with symptoms you never thought would be related to menopause?
6: Right. And, and you know what else? I think it's not just the the menopause and the, the hormones. It's also just the fact that you, that you're aging and you, and you're, yes. you're just thinking about death. You're thinking about I'm getting older and I can't do things I used to do. And I think it's, you know, lift, just little things, you know, even exercise, you exercise, and if you lift too much, you end up in therapy for your neck. And if you you know do zumba and you spin around, you get dizzy. this this just general effects of aging also, which is you know sad when you get to a certain age and you realize I can't do that.
1: That's so true. So Ellen, we'd love to share some of your writings from okay. what the hell happened to me. Okay uh, well, so p- why can you can you read us from page thirty
6: nine? thirty nine. Sure. Okay.
0: It's the one called User. The oh, user. user. Yeah, yeah. Okay. User.
6: <laughs> I need to make a drug run to pick up all my pills. There's one for every part of me made just to cure my ills. My bad cholesterol is rising. My hormone level's down. I have the biggest mood swings of anyone in town. My mitral valve is acting up. Blood pressure, though, is good. I hate to take my vitamins, but the doctor said I should. A pill to help digest my food, an aspirin for my heart, And then a little estrogen, that's for a private part. There's calcium for loss of bone, so I won't break a hip. And something for the pimple that is formed above my lip. Magnesium and flax seeds, and of course, omega-3. Black cohash to reduce night sweats, and a pill to help me pee. Some Ambien if I must sleep, and a pill to calm me down. I meet my dealer every month at the pharmacy in town. (laughs) <laughs> this is <laughs> definitely, definitely true of everyone I know. We're all on pills, so it's, you know, from pills for something.
0: Yeah, and speaking of your writing, you also have a quote in your book from non, uh, none other than Sophia Loren, the famous yes, beauty. Yes, I love that one. Yeah, so she says, there is a fountain of youth. It is your mind, your talents, the creativity you bring to your life and the lives of people you love. When you learn to tap this source, you will truly have defeated age. So do you agree that age is a state of mind and grace?
6: definitely and i in in most respects i mean i feel 40 i definitely feel 40 until i look in the mirror and then i go oh not so not not as not as not so much so i i think and then when you have you know the grandchildren you know one of them said to me oh you you're getting old that means you're going to die soon and i go oh okay that's kind of scary that is but,
1: that is scary
6: yes but i but i do feel 40 i'm just a little more cautious of things that i that i can't do. You're walking in the snow now. I think about it. I go, oh, am I going to fall and break a hip? You know, Is this, is
1: this it? <laughs> well, it does cause you to be. But at the same time, having said that, I, I don't want to say all the downsides of menopause because there are some upsides. I feel more at home in my body than I ever have. I'm far more confident with the choices I've made. I've relaxed much more into my life than than resisting it.
6: Oh, absolutely. So there, absolutely. there's a lot of
1: upsides. But I wanted to read another piece from your book called okay. Old, Old Blue Eyes. Okay. I must go to the doctor. I cannot see your face. Unless you stand so far away, you're in another place. I never see a menu unless it's on the floor or the waiter holds it in his hands and walks outside the door. I guess it's not too bad this way. It's actually quite fine because I can't see your wrinkled face and I know you can't see mine. (laughs) <laughs> at least you hope your Poignant. husband's eyesight is failing and, or he suffers from <laughs> macular degeneration.
6: That is, a, that is a good thing. And, you know, when you look at your friends, you still see them as they used to be, and you think that they still see you as you used to be. So it's, it's, it's okay.
0: So I understand so. you had a, uh, you have another piece that you wanted to read to us? Sure. Okay. Well, I
6: could read this one. Maybe you'll like one. This one hits men also. Okay. Great. It's called Look Out Below. <laughs> Who discovered gravity and where is he today? I'd like to kill the bum that may and my body fall this way. My boobs have fallen to my knees. My ass dropped down a flight. My cheeks have now turned into jowls. My eyelids block my sight. My plumbing and my uterus, too, slipped down so very far, I fear that if I hit a bump, they'll fall out in my car. My husband always teases me how low my parts have dropped, and though his muscles still are firm, his private part has flopped.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) So... (laughs) We're talking with Ellen Goldberg about her book called What the Hell Happened to Me? The Truth About Menopause and Beyond. You can get her book at Amazon.com and visit her website at hotflashfun.com. Ellen, I understand you had your husband leave the house while you were talking yes. with us. Why, yes, why I is did that? because
6: I thought I'd be too intimidated if he was standing here watching me. Oh, that's kind of cute, actually. <laughs> and you know something? I find, I think he, he wants to think that I'm still young. Mm-hmm. And if I'll say something, I'm going out with the women. He'll go, could you call them girls? <laughs> oh, that's
0: great. <laughs> totally. Women uh, just
6: sounds too old. So, you know, I, I think he's picturing that I'm still who I was, and, um, which is good.
1: <laughs> and so what but, advice would you give to the men in women's lives as women go through menopause?
6: Well, when they're having a flash, definitely leave the heat off. Definitely. And be, the understanding of their mood swings because I think that's it. The lack of sleep and, and that, I mean, could, could drive them, you know, a little, a little crazy. And um, I think you just have to understand that they, they can't look the way they used to look. You know, I mean, you go to buy clothes now and the jeans are so low, everyone's stomach is kind of hanging over the jeans and we're feeling like, oh, we can still wear teen jeans, but you really can't because everything gets thicker, everything moves, parts are in different places. And so I guess, I guess the men have to just understand that we're not who we were and we may we may think we are and we still look sound the same and we think young but you know we can't wear the high heels as as high as they used to be and the short skirts don't look quite the same and you know everything is changing, and I think it's hard. I think it's just as hard for men. I think they go through a male menopause also.
1: Absolutely, a- 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 there's an old saying that age is not for the weak at heart, and that is so very true because change can be daunting for people. And changes in your body are hard. Your your mind doesn't catch up to your body quite as quickly as it used to.
6: That's true. <laughs> and you know, I was on a train recently, and the conductor stopped at a woman behind me and, and asked for her ticket, and she said, "Senior." And he said, "Let me see your ID." And she showed it to him, and then he cut to me, and I said, senior, and he just said, okay. And I was, like, devastated I turned to look at her. She looked, I thought she looked 20 years older than I did. (laughs) So I think my mind, I think you're kind of in denial that, that, you know, this is happening. You know, and if you don't look in the mirror, you feel like, oh, my, you know, I'm really cool and young, so.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Ellen. Thanks so much for this book that you wrote. It's delightful, and it's always nice to add more humor to the world.
6: Thank
1: you so much. Bye bye. You're listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter really is the best medicine. Don't go away. Lots more show to come.
4: It's 6:42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey, okay. the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock. <laughs> and it's the best time of the day because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life take time to be a dad today call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov brought to you by the US Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council check out my new time machine does it work hit the button hey it's napoleon We oui. check out the future <laughs> Hey, you have a nice house. Why don't I? You didn't save any money, buddy. If only there was a way I could go back in time and
3: fix that. Yeah. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org.
4: This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Can you tell if this burger contains bacteria that could cause kidney failure? Listen, you can't see it either. Use a food thermometer to be sure you've cooked meat and poultry to a bacteria-killing temperature. Raw or undercooked meat may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. Roughly 3,000 Americans will die from food poisoning this year, but you can keep your family safer. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. My grandma is 95. She can't see out of her left eye. just shut off. (laughs) The last time we went to see her... She's like, I can't see out of my left eye, and we're all like, oh, hey, what was Christmas like in the 40s? So I go to her doctor. He's right at the end of the hall. He's there, always, like, 90 feet away from her. So I go to the doctor, and I said, you know, she can't see out of her left eye at all. And I swear to God, he goes, well, she's probably got a bunch of tumors in her head. I swear to God, that's exactly what he said. I remember it because I was blown away by how none of his education he applied to this particular diagnosis. Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine.
0: It's funny, Casey, when you guys were talking about that, I started to get this, like, sweat on my brow, Uh and I started to feel, like, really hot and Uh kind of dizzy, and all I could think is, oh, my God, all materials related to health trivia are the sole responsibility (laughs) of Nurse Talk, LLC, and they're not affiliated with any network or stream service area in our show. It was Ah, intense.
1: I could say that was a nurse flash. (laughs) 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 Our health trivia question this week is if you have wrist pain hand pain numbness of thumb and first two fingers weakness of thumb and first two fingers symptoms worse at night wasting of thumb muscle what do you have i don't know definitely not menopause
0: yeah if you know th- so
1: if you're the first one to answer this question correctly and email us or call us you'll win a 25 dollar gift certificate to starbucks so here are the issues wrist pain hand pain numbness of thumb and first two fingers weakness of thumb and first two fingers symptoms worse at night wasting of thumb muscle Boy Shane I'm not sure about this one of course I would guess one of the uh, neurological yeah it sounds things, um, I, don't know. I don't know either because I would want to say like multiple sclerosis or scary something along those lines okay so, so again if you know the answer give give us a call
0: so our question last week was if you're having a woods light analysis what might you have?
1: I thought this was quite interesting. So the Wood Light Lamp Examination is a procedure that uses transillumination to detect bacteria or fungal skin infections. So this is when they put that black light on your skin Uh. and you see all those gross little uh, things crawling around, (laughs) (laughs) which are bacteria. Uh They also use it to um, check for corneal abrasions, which most often happen from people keeping their contacts in too long and then pulling a dry contact Off your eye can produce an abrasion, which is quite serious. So don't do that. So that's what the woods (laughs) lamp examination is all about.
0: (laughs) Sage advice. Don't do that. So
1: don't do that. Uh, So the winner of this one with the uh, woods light thing was Diaz D Souza, listening on Indiana Talk Radio. That's lovely. If you want to know more about this topic or others, visit iTriage.com. It's a great little app. It's free. It does so many good things. Check it out.
0: All All right. right. Email. All right. So let's go to your email questions. You take it away. Okay. I've got them sequestered away over here. I've got
1: one. Okay. All right. Dear Nurse Talk, my father is 75 in pretty good health and is going in for a laminectomy and a discectomy to relieve pain he is having in his legs. So right there, i got to stop because... 75, back surgery, eeks, 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 backup lights, don't do it. The doctors are telling us he will have to stop taking his blood thinners for three to four days post-surgery. He takes blood thinners because he has atrial fib, and we are concerned that he will be at risk for stroke while he is not taking them. At least that's what we've been told. Can you first talk about the risks involved with both procedures, and is the bigger risk that he is off his medications post-surgery? Love your show, Steve P. in Oregon. Well, no, you're not at risk. Going off blood thinners for this procedure, you're not at risk. Now, the back surgery itself, Shane, what do you think?
0: I I would say if you have not gotten a second opinion, please get a second opinion. You may need a laminectomy and a disectomy, but this is a big deal. Big and deal. there's different kinds of uh, procedures for this. Absolutely. You can do it uh, arthroscopically, arthroscopically. Um, And also, how bad's the pain? Is it keeping him from doing things that he enjoys?
1: And has he seen a physical therapist? Because there are so many really good physical therapists and chiropractors out there. I hate to jump to surgery, and maybe this person isn't jumping to surgery, but back surgery once done can never be undone. And the complications I see from back surgeries can be intense, and at 75, I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I, I would want to exhaust all other options.
0: I've got chronic low back pain. Yes, I'm much younger than this. Do. And I went and saw a back surgeon and they they didn't do an MRI. They did a uh, an x-ray. And the guy's like, yeah, from what I can see here, I'm betting that you have uh, some disc compromise. And if I were you, I would not get back surgery. I went, started doing a different type of exercise. I'm way better now. I have pain. I still have pain. But, you know, in this back surgeon, he, he just does back surgeries all day. And he was like, listen, man, don't do it. Yes, um,
1: especially at your age, in your 40s. So age.
0: if it's causing urological issues, if it's causing like yeah. you can't walk. It's that's just, right. Or it's interrupting different.
1: your bladder or function like that. But otherwise, spinal stenosis, which is usually what people have this particular surgery for, is fairly common. And I can't say enough about how many modalities there are out there that would help you other than back surgery. Just because I've seen... Trauma drama with surgery, yeah. And once they mess with your back, um,
0: and again, we're not saying don't do it, but don't just get one person's opinion on this because chances are that person's gonna make some dough when they do that surgery. And
1: again, I can't say enough about physical therapists because they help so much and they have really smart, you know, sometimes I've done uh exercises that I thought were bogus and boy, they relieve the pain, it was
0: great. All right, let's go to the next one, okay? So, the next one, dear nurses. Ouch is the headline. Yes, I could look this up, but why bother when I can have you tell me here it is. I have this really bad pain on the bottom of my foot close to the heel and sometimes it even feels like in the arch. Sometimes it doesn't hurt as bad as other times, but it is definitely here to stay because I've had it for the last six months or so. I've tried putting heel pads in my shoes, but that doesn't seem to work. It's painful and annoying and hoping it will go away has not helped it much. So listening to your show... This is Petra G. Boy, on Indiana Talks, you folks in Indiana got some interesting names. I like that. Um, Well,
1: Petra, I want to say one thing because I have this particular illness called plantar fasciitis. And let me just tell you, it can be so severely painful. But here again, you can get a shot of cortisone in that area, which I have not done, or you can do the different modalities, which is which works beautifully now here's one little tip that my chiropractor told me about that really helps get a water bottle that has that lovely curved back kind of like sarah palin was talking about so you can ride that <sighs> like bottle right class. to the right to the to hell i guess anyway you <laughs> fill this water bottle with water and you put it in the freezer and let it harden you take that and you roll your foot especially the arch over that water bottle and especially the heel that will help the inflammation. And then you do these cool little exercises that pulls your toes towards the head of your – towards your head. And you will feel a pull in the stretch and actually feel a pull in that muscle and tendon that's the problem for you. There are socks you can wear at night that will keep your toe flexed towards your head. They're very uncomfortable. I tried those and I didn't like them so much. But then there's an exercise. I wish I could explain this to people. Um, you know, where you hold on to a doorknob and you let yourself go all the way, your butt go all the way to the ground. And then you go up on your toes in that position. The idea being that you're stretching that particular tendon that's causing you the trauma drama in your foot.
0: And and that that's great advice. You know, and then work some, eventually you're going to want to work some, because what's yes. happening is every once in a while you are uh, doing too much and yeah. if you can build up your threshold of what you can do this isn't going to recur but that's per- I mean obviously it's perfect it worked for you but it's that's working. myofascial tissue stuff g- works great with rolling on something like that and it I, really does I had thought of a water bottle that's a great a uh, great tool for that part of your body
1: I have to say, I've noticed improvement now. It's worsening. Sometimes it worsens. I've also found that Superfeet, it's an orthotic that you can get online and they sell it in most stores, is really good because it creates a nice little cup for your heel so that your heel isn't moving around in your shoe. And then I make sure I get shoes that can fit my Superfeet insoles in there. And the idea then, I've also found it's better to wear a shoe with a harder bottom So I was getting these soft sneakers, a sneaker that you can bend in half. If you can bend a sneaker in half, it's not good for fasciitis. You want something with a firmer sole and a better cup for your heel. And that's quite important. And I noticed the difference right away when I walk in a soft shoe versus a hard shoe.
0: And so, Casey, I have to say that uh, on this show, I feel like you say a lot of extremely erroneous things, and I thought you did (laughs) last week. So this is what happened last week. You were talking about taking probiotics for helping calm your nurse for anxiety and depression. And in my head, I was like, she's making that crap up. But on the way home from that drive, I was listening to NPR, whatever, and they did a study on probiotics Mm -hmm. and how it affects how... Uh, your vagus nerve, which originates in the gut, how it decreases transmissions and increases GABA transmission in the brain. And they really think now that probiotics can decrease anxiety. And so I was like, oh, I got that one wrong.
1: Uh That's right. And I found out something more interesting today, also listening to the radio, to Tom Hartman, talking about how we develop uh, the probiotics, how we develop bacteria in our stomach. Uh So they've done research on women who... So it turns out that when you're born vaginally, when a baby is born vaginally, and they pass through the canal, bacteria go into the baby's mouth, travel into the gut, and that's the first that they're building the bacteria in their gut, healthy bacteria for Ah. their immune system. The second way is when a baby is breastfed, what they're finding is that the mom's sweat, believe it or not, carries a lot of bacteria... That gets down to the nipple. The baby sucks that in and actually ingests more bacteria that builds their immune system in their gut. So people who, uh, they've done studies to show that people who were not breastfed and not born vaginally have less of an immune system, especially related to allergies, that these are two key ways you get those. Also, what he was saying is that they're finding with, with these new generations that babies' health and their bacterias in their gut are not what they used to be. And so probiotics for babies is actually a good thing.
0: You babies and your newfangled bacteria <laughs> ain't the way it used to be.
1: You got to take a pill now, baby, to get your probiotics. Wow, the human your mommy body is right.
0: amazing and disgusting.
1: At the same time. Yeah. You're exactly correct. Same with medicine. It can be amazing and really disgusting.
0: Yeah. And it is allergy season. So it's good to hear these tips and I can feel it kicking up with me already. So what I can say a lot of times this time of year, people think you're getting a cold. Yes. Go on to pollen.com. One of those sites, if your symptoms get worse when the pollen counts go up, that's not a cold folks, that's allergies. You can do a couple of things if you want to take medication, Claritin, Zyrtec, that sort of stuff. But what I also use is one of those uh, neti, neti pots. Uh, Yeah, and yeah. I use the, the bottle that rinses, mm. and it's easier than the neti pot for me. It really helps me with allergies, and as spring comes on, uh, at least here on the West Coast, we should uh, uh, keep that in mind for our listeners. And, and for people who don't know, a
1: neti pot you're you're taking liquid through your nose, and it then it comes out. So it takes uh, a little getting used things, to, but it, it it's good. It feels but it's good. really good, and it flushes out yeah. things.
0: I learned the other day that a couple of uh, the entire pharmacies up at UCSF, which is a, a med center in, in San Francisco, are completely uh, robotized. So there's no there's no humans in there. It's just robots moving around, dispensing the pills and stuff.
1: Which is quite incredible because. There's probably less mistakes, but then that puts pharmacists out of business, which isn't so great either. So yeah, yeah. there's a uh, catch as catch can. Now, I will say for places like the one that I work in a facility, um, they have computerized robots that also pack sets that put pills into really? little packages. So I send them what the patient is on. You know how many times a day and whatnot, and then they make these little paper packets that have the pills for their eight o'clock, with each one listed,
3: the nice. color, the
1: consistency, and what it does on each packet. That's nice. And so the idea is, then a CNA can come and pour from that packet, mm-hmm. and they do this, and they set it up on a, on a week or two week or four week draw, and we get reams of pills. Oh. It's quite remarkable what they can do. Well, these
0: go days. robots.
1: You go, robots. But the the minute that you start thinking for yourself,
0: oh, that's it's when we're going to have to
1: take the chip out because we already know you're smarter than we are.
0: You think they're going to let us take the chip out?
1: Well, they're not. They're going to kill us. Right. I mean, that was the whole <laughs> how thing is they're going to figure out a way to kill us. The conversation <laughs> takes
0: yet another sinister turn.
1: <laughs> so the computers are our great friends until they grow up and kill us. <laughs> <laughs> and Shane, here is a really interesting I don't know if interesting is a good word for this. Mm -hmm. Man hacks monitor screams at baby girl. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the internet. Creepy things. Last week, a report that a man hacked into an internet-enabled baby monitor in a home in Cincinnati, Ohio, and started screaming, wake up, baby, (laughs) at at a 10-month-old girl. Adam and Heather Shrek told Fox 19 that they woke up at midnight to the sounds of a man yelling at their daughter, Emma, and we were surprised to find their internet enabled baby monitor moving even though they were not the ones moving it
0: okay so this is horrifying it but is very it's horrifying. also hilarious that this uber <laughs> creepy person hacked into a baby monitor and the worst thing that they could think of to do is to say like wake up baby <laughs>
3: Wake up, baby.
1: Wake up, little Susie. (laughs) Brings brings a new meaning to that song. Well, the bad news is that some people have been shouting obscenities. That's so terrible. This is not the first time something like this has happened. In August, a Houston man told ABC station KTRK that he heard a man yelling, wake up, Allison, you little expletive Bianch (laughs) through a baby monitor to his two-year-old daughter
0: Uh, that's not cool
1: now uh, so the maker of the monitors hacked in both incidents sells devices around 200 bucks that allow parents to keep an eye on their kids remotely through their smartphone or an internet browser. Hence, well, I guess you know what the, the dangerous I guess part. you know what
0: the price point on a baby monitor is, huh? <laughs> and it ain't two hundred bucks.
1: Updating firmware is extremely important, especially if the devices in question are more than six months old. Foscam wrote to the reporters. In the case of one, the camera in question, it was a three-year-old model and needed a firmware update. So they're busy saying that if you up upgrade, then people aren't going to be able to hack it. Yeah, yet. you
0: gotta. But i got to ask,
1: what the heck are people – really, so you're sitting around drinking a beer and say, hmm, let's see, what can we do Saturday night? I think maybe we need to hack into some baby monitors (laughs) and scream at some babies. What do you think? Wouldn't that be a lot of fun? Uh... So this replaces in the old days where you would uh, get a sitter for your kid, and the Mm -hmm. sitter would sit there and – be in the baby's room and say, wake up, you little baby, wake up. I hate it that you're sleeping. Now, come on. How often did that happen? Well,
0: you know, in the bad days, your babysitter used to just sleep with your dad. So there's a difference, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, there is that. There is that, Shane. (laughs) And then you're suggesting that they did good with the baby when they were there. They just had this little extramarital affair on the
0: side. (laughs) I mean, it's always something, right? So this is the thing. Is this a good use of technology, do you think? Well,
1: I think it's a good use in that it's really nice for parents to be able to see. Now, Now, something that we learned from the baby whisper a while ago. See, I thought this technology would then stop SIDS and that people would be able to, you know, see that the baby wasn't breathing if they had a monitor on or something. Right. Well, it turns out SIDS is something that happens in the brain. And even if you have the baby go down right in front of you, you're not able to bring the baby back because I didn't know that either, because it's a physiological thing in the brain that that is not interruptible. Well, it's not a suffocation. Um, Yeah. Avant.
0: according to foscam all devices connected to the internet run the risk of being hacked and on that a point that security sense. experts agree it happens more often than you would think says an unnamed security consultant oh, that's and so many manufacturers use default username and password combinations such as admin admin and customers you really need to update these when you get the the device then you need to put in your own password and it shouldn't be 12345 should be something relatively hard to, to decipher
1: and certainly it's it's Trauma drama to the parents and certainly to the child. But a baby cam, I mean, I would use it because I would want to look in and see if the baby's okay and not have to interrupt by opening the door and making a lot of noise. I mean, I'd want to.
0: Yeah, I'd want a baby cam, but I'd put it in the bathroom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's before you even have a baby. (laughs) That's in your dating life. And then do people hack into your camera in your bathroom and say, "Hey, girl, Shane's just looking at you." Stand up, baby. Stand up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, Uh, Shane, that's great. You've taken baby monitors to a whole new level by putting it in the bathroom. uh, (laughs) Now, what's really sad, Shane, is I would put my baby monitor in the kitchen because
4: I keep an eye
0: on the chocolate.
1: I want to see if anybody's taking my food.
0: All right. So I guess we agree that this is a potential, like all other technology, it's potentially a good use of technology, but has its uh, risks as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it definitely has its risks. And the other technology that I love that I want to mention here is that 3D making a, something like the esophagus on a 3D Uh printer machine. That's freaking incredible to me. Now when it comes to that same technology making a gun that right. can get through a metal detector cuz there's no metal parts. I got half a, right <laughs> half a Death Star
0: belt in my house right now.
1: Half a Death Star belt and that's just in your bathroom. I've always hated
0: Ewoks. <laughs> I hate those things.
1: Now I think Ewoks are kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so and, and what did they just down you could just get a, a, a like a blueprint for a trachea yes there you go
1: yes and you put it in your 3d printer and i think the trachea they started with because yeah it doesn't have excrete anything they just make the hard little rings that move although wait a second because those rings move down the food peristalsis so i wonder how they imprint that into the mechanism
0: we better call that dude up say you didn't think of something buddy
1: there's peristalsis (laughs) that go on does it know how to do that which it probably does which is incredible So we'd like to thank the National Nurses United and California Nurses Association for their support of Nurse Talk, but also for the tremendous work they do in the world. Thank you so much. A great big thank you to our executive producer, Patty Lockard. June Miller and Daria Karpova, our sound engineers, Taylor Lockard, Social Networking and Progressive Voices Tune In, and all of our wonderful broadcast partners. Also, thank you to our guests and our listeners. Remember, to laugh, you got to listen. To listen, you got to tune in. We love you out there. See you next week.
4: Thanks for listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Brought to you by National Nurses United. Check us out on Facebook or go to our website at nursetalksite.com. For more information about National Nurses United and the California Nurses Association, visit nationalnursesunited.org. Until next week, remember, laughter is the best medicine.